Put down the blender, lock your doors, and make sure you're sitting somewhere safe for this week's episode of The Most Useful Podcast Ever. This week, we got a few reckless staffers together to tell a psychologist stories about times our stupid decisions almost got us or someone else seriously injured. That psychologist is Steve Kastner, author of the forthcoming Careful, a user's guide to our injury-prone minds. Kastner also rides motorcycles, flies jets, and works for NASA. After we tell him everything dumb we did, he weighs in on where we went wrong. Later on this episode, technology editor Alex George gives us a terrifying glimpse of the future using an Amazon Echo. James Lynch tests out a commuter bike with a crazy gear shifter, and we present our newest segment, Cat Facts. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and it's a scary world out there, y'all. It's a good thing you've got the most useful podcast ever to make sense of it. Joining today's show is Steve Kasner, who is a safety psychologist. Steve, is that right? Uh, yeah, sure. Your new book is called Careful, A User's Guide to Our Injury-Prone Minds, and uh, you sort of take a look at the root causes of why we do stupid things that hurt ourselves. So today we've got four people that are going to tell you about stupid things they've done. That's me, and then uh, you guys each want to say hi. Hi, Hiya, Steve. Uh, this is Roy Barents, and I'm the senior home editor. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. I'm uh, another host on the podcast, and uh, I have, I'm really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Peter Martin is the last one, So, and I have a baseball story for you. Wow, I can't wait to hear it. I know most of these voices from the podcast, so are all uh, familiar. So our thought going into this is that Roy is clearly going to be the safest one, but he, he started telling us a few stories when we were setting up, and he's maybe not as safe as we all thought he was. Roy doesn't type without safety glasses on. He is, he is constantly prepared. He is a role model for me. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you know what? I mean, I, it's like this is what happens when you grow up with a father who has nine fingers, you know? I mean, oh, <laughs> you know? I mean, he, and that was from a, that was just starting out. I mean, he was just, you know, a childhood accident and he managed to lose a, a thumb, you know, so. Uh, wow. Yeah, no, no, seriously. I mean, but uh, yeah, my, my, my story, Steve, gets to especially um, young men are, are prone to, you know, sort of like not back down or to uh, overestimate their skills. So I'm an apprentice cabinet maker, and I go to work in this shop in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. The guy says, have you ever used a table saw before? And I'm looking at this gigantic table saw. And, and I had used a table saw, but it was this, like, crummy little rinky-dink thing on a construction <laughs> site. And I said, of course. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I've used table saws. And the guy says, okay, well, cut this block. We were making a... a chest and this thing had a type of foot on it a bracket what we call a bracket foot and so I'm, I'm starting to cut this piece of cherry and it's a very large awkward well it wasn't large it was just kind of awkwardly shaped anyway I got it stuck between the the blade I, the, the, the block shifted and I got it stuck between the blade and the fence and smoke is pouring off it, and my boss is yelling from the back of the shop, shut the saw off! And I, you know, I could barely hear him. Anyway, so I did like this ballerina-style pirouette, like spun out of the way, and just let the block fly. And it flew with such force, it went all the way to the end of the shop, about, I don't know, 30 feet, 50 feet, and hit another woodworking machine. Thank God it didn't hit somebody else standing oh. back there. It hit, the, it hit the corner of a, a machine called a jointer. 
And we went, I shut the saw off, the smoke cleared, and I went back and we picked up the block of wood. It had a perfect pyramid-shaped indent where it hit the jointer. So if that block of flying wood would have hit me in the ribs or, or the groin or something, you know, that would have been quite likely would have been the end of me or certainly the end of my woodworking career. But I, I, you know, it's not like my boss was, um, you know, providing any uh, information on how to use this gigantic saw either. You know, yep. he, he was like, have you ever used a table saw? And I was like, uh, not, not being, you know, not willing to back down, I, you know, when I should have yep. said, uh, I've never used a table saw that big before. I guess part know? of it is yep. like thinking that they're the same thing, right? Like thinking that a small oh, table saw and an industrial strength table saw are the same. Uh, you know, but, you know, teenage, uh, no, I wasn't a teenager, but I, I was in my early 20s. And I guess I just didn't want to admit no. Uh, you know, I've never no. used something like that. Can you can you give me some pointers or let me take a couple of test runs with it first, you know? This, this is a big one here. Uh, let me uh, start with the, the young men idea. Um, <laughs> if, if you look at the, if, if you look at the data, yeah, it, it's two to one that, uh, you know, you see someone being wheeled into an emergency room uh, blindfolded. I'm, I'm giving away two-to-one odds that, uh, that it's going to be a dude uh, every time it, you know, for all sorts of reasons. So um, Roy's story is such a good one here in that it, uh, it highlights one of the problems we have. Uh, men, and especially young men, feel we have an inalienable right to give anything a shot first without reading the instructions. <laughs> you know, we were b- born with that. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, not reading the instructions. So uh, it's baked in the culture, you know, and that's one of the things we need to fix, given that uh, the tools that are now available to us are more powerful chainsaws and the powder-actuated nail guns. I mean, I didn't even know what that that was. I can order that on the internet now. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, That's a thing? Powder-actuated yeah. nail gun? <laughs> yeah. I feel and, less safe just know, knowing that that exists. And uh, in fact, there's a not not very funny story, but interesting story of uh, a person who uh, went to see a dentist because he was having some tooth pain. They did an x-ray and they found a, uh, I think it was a four-inch nail lodged in his skull. Uh, he just didn't know about it. You know, you look around, it's not just tools, you look around who's more likely to wear safety glasses, wear a seat belt, and even things like uh, uh, health-related things. Uh, yeah, I can eat junk food and be fine. I can smoke, I'll be fine. Men just imagine themselves to be a little more invincible than the safer sex. Um, uh, we, we'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's why I doubt, I doubt Jacqueline's claim. <laughs> I interview another psychologist in my book named Alex Kerlick, and he, uh, he he studies this, our ability to look at objects and just see what they can be used for, which allows us to be so flexible and inventive. But uh, he talks about how we don't see uh, what could go wrong. That doesn't pop into our heads so automatically as does success. So I think as we get uh, more complicated tools in our hand, um, we're going to have to stop and do that. Like, wow, what could go wrong here? And Roy, yeah, it was really lucky. Uh, so many people uh, get hurt every year or killed by flying objects, a projectile that, uh, of course, was launched by someone else. So this whole thing with like looking at certain, looking at things and just thinking about what they can do and not thinking about what could go wrong. Um, yeah. The story I was going to tell, which is maybe sort of a cop out because nobody ended up getting hurt because a friend intervened, but. 
Um, I think that for me, there's something like with distractions, if I get really excited about what I'm using something for, I'll forget that it has lots of other possible things it can do. Um, I lived for a while in college up in uh, like some pr like hills over the college campus that had a bunch of trees and dry grass and dead leaves. And the houses up there were built right on top of each other and the whole neighborhood had been burned to the ground by like a house fire that just spread because of all the vegetation and the houses were close together like 20 years before I lived up there. And a friend was visiting one time and he had an old uh, safety kit in the trunk of his car that his like grandfather made him put in there that had road flares that he was never going to use and I don't know I'd never seen a flare before so we decided to fire one up and we're just kind of like oh this is fun whatever but we lived on this like small windy road and I thought like I wonder if we just leave this flare in the middle of the road if people will actually go around as if we're blocking anything off even though clearly we're not so we were playing around with it and then I just put it in the road and was ready to leave like go back inside and he was like, why'd you, why'd you put that there? And I was like, I don't know. I just, maybe, maybe cars will find it funny. And he's like, well, you know that if that rolls into the gutter, the whole, the, the whole neighborhood's, the whole neighborhood's gone. And it, it didn't even occur to me that it was fire. Like it was just a toy. And I'm just curious if that's, you know, is that something you talk about in the book that you get really caught up in what you're doing? And I don't know, maybe it's about distraction or not being able to hold different ideas in our minds at once. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I think there's maybe that, but this one probably points more toward our perception of risk, that uh, we walk around with uh, uh, these made-up uh, numbers about risk or odds in our head, uh, things that we worry about. We worry about things that probably aren't so important, where we completely ignore things that are important. I have a story in the, my book where whenever I see someone tense up on an airplane, you know, we hit some turbulence and they're really worried. And I say, you know, you could fly on this thing 25 million times and this without this thing ever crashing with you on it. Jackie. Meanwhile. Yeah, I used to be afraid of flying. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about something important like do you own paint thinner and where do you store it in your home? Uh, because, and, and here's the fire thing, one in 320 homes catch on fire every year. Those are your odds, one in uh, 320. That's really? Wow. I, yeah. I, I mean, like, and I'm not talking about, you know, run it under water. I'm talking about, you know, bringing fire trucks out to the house, one in 320. Nobody knows this. And fire is such a, a, an under-feared thing that uh, we just don't uh, think that through. Was this uh, Berkeley by any chance? Yeah, it was Berkeley. Uh, yeah, the hills of Berkeley. Yeah, That's wow. There's a, just a lot of tr trees over there. I always thought Stanford. Not Stanford. Oh, okay. Not Stanford. He hates Stanford. That's, that's true. No, he went go, to Go Stanford. We, we <laughs> the Bears. Bears. Yeah, go so, Bears. Uh, that's right. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to tell you my story, which, I mean, I just think it was stupid. I'm, I'm generally a pretty uh, safe person, you know, especially around electricity and that kind of thing. And I won't, you know, I won't flip a light switch with wet hands and all that kind of stuff that you learn when you're a kid. Wow. Um, yeah, and so I was on a business trip to Germany. I was there for two days. And so I was pretty jet-lagged, and I was leaving for my flight in the morning. It was something like 4 o'clock in the morning. I was just packing up. And the business that had sent me out there had given us these complimentary um, plug adapters that you could use to plug in your American appliances into the German uh, outlets. And it was a little, it was small, it was a little plastic piece. And when I went to pull it off, the plastic piece came off and there's this little metal part. 
And I just grabbed it like an idiot. Like, I'll just grab that part. And then it zapped up my arm. And, <laughs> and like, it didn't shoot me across the room. Thank God. Nothing really bad happened. But I was like, why on earth would you grab a piece of metal sticking out of an outlet? I just don't. To this day, I have no explanation for my behavior. This is a really great one. Uh, because what a, what a terrific story. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad you're okay. And oh, I'm thank, glad, thank you. Know, your hair doesn't look like a Brillo. Oh, you don't know, you know, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fatigue, it's amazing. This is something that's just starting to get uh, recognized that our recent most NHTSA administrator, Mark Rosekind, um, elevated drowsiness to, to the, the same level of concern as being drunk uh, or distracted, that it... Uh, our ability to, you know, think like you're obviously a safe person. Well, you told me that you, you don't uh, touch light switches with wet hands. You're you're careful. You, you, <laughs> so, you right, are yeah. right, right. No, that, that's great. Uh, but here you have this unfamiliar thing that you have no, you know, you haven't seen before. You're a little tired. Uh, if you would have. Uh, you know, had a minute or two to think about it, I bet you wouldn't have done that. But Probably. <laughs> cruise through our routines and, uh, you know, stuff like that happens. Let me just reiterate that. If we're uh, really tired and we're about to do something, we ought to think, uh, I'm probably about the same uh, now as if I would have had a couple of beers. That. That, that's kind of how that's kind of how it felt actually. Just uh, yeah. having done it, just being like, "Why'd you do?" And I wasn't even that concerned about having done it afterward. Like I was like, "Well, yeah. I guess I'm fine." <laughs> I was gonna say I was yeah. like sleep drunk. <laughs> yeah, R- really tired is sort of like had a couple of beers. They're about the same. Okay, so for the last story, I, it did not involve beers because it does involve children. Um, but I <laughs> I coached a little league team of probably twelve and thirteen year olds. And one of the kids who wasn't quite as talented said he wanted to be a catcher, <laughs> said he'd be good at it, and said that Ouch. I could throw the ball as fast as I could, and he would catch it. He wanted to try to be a Ouch. catcher. And so I told him to squat down, and I threw the ball at him as fast as I could. <laughs> and I did not ask him to put on a mask or any of the guards. Oh. And luckily it hit him in the glove, and he caught it. But, um, yeah, that could have been really terrible. Um, Jackie's yeah. making a face at me. <laughs> I, I mean, you by not I giving mean, him any safety equipment, you kind of made sure he had to use the glove, right? Maybe that was like sneakily good coaching, but dangerous. I, I wish I wish there was a plan. It was more just, sure, you want to try it? Sit down, I'll throw the ball to you, we'll be fine. And then after I threw it and he caught it, I realized he really should have had his gear on and it would have been a lot smarter. What a great collection of stories. <laughs> this takes us in yet a different direction, and it's uh, about kids. Uh, kids are... They're like little guys. I mean, they're even worse. Um, I, I, I have a chapter after I go through all the ways of thinking patterns that lead us to, to, to injury. Uh, I talk about kids and say, um, kids don't have any of the things that we just got done talking about. Mm. It's totally up to you. I mean, they don't pay attention. They'll give anything a try. Uh, they're distracted. They have the attention span of a gnat. Um, it's completely up to us uh, to, to look after them. And uh, the really cool thing is that um, when it's all said and done, kids end up being safer than the adults because we pay more attention to their safety than we do to our own. Except some, in some this case. Do it, yeah. <laughs> Except for Peter <laughs> Who throws a 100-mile-an-hour fast. <laughs> but, uh, right, there's the luck factor, which is probably mostly explains why we're, why we're all still here. That's probably uh, true. That, uh, yeah. 
And we most have, children uh, have not interacted with me, so they're safe. <laughs> well, you know, do you have kids? Are you planning on having My wife kids? is not going to allow it after this, this conversation. Yeah, after, after, after. No, I really, no, you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> you, you get it. Since everything on the podcast tends to turn into a competition, from our four stories, which of us do you think has the, the darkest subconscious or the least safe? <laughs> who would you wow. want to sit the furthest from? If you had to work <laughs> that, that is accurate, yeah. Who, yeah. who would you? Now, you, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of anybody. I think you're, you all have it down. Uh, you know, the throwing the baseball at the kid's head. You know, that, uh, <laughs> right now, if I had to pick one, I would, I, would, I would maybe pick that one. But, you know, it, it's going to fix itself. You know, when it comes time for you to, to look after a kid, you're going to be great. Well, I'll care uh, about my own kid. You know. This wasn't my kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. No, it, it's funny. You, you even attach to those still. Uh, because whatever could happen to them, you feel could happen to yours. And uh, no, you'll work out. So maybe the baseball one scares me the most. All right. Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining us. And Peter, uh, stay away. I feel like our tech editor, Alex, discovered something slightly dystopian about the Alexa this week. So, oh, Alexa's been dystopian for a while. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But this does make it very, very obvious this way. Um, and so I brought Kevin in, and uh, we have Kevin and Alex are both here to try this thing out. Uh, what can Alexa do now, Alex? So the, the news this week was that uh, Amazon unveiled a this thing called the Echo Show, which is a basically an Echo. Oh, it's, it's got a screen, right? Speaker. The screen on it. So, you know, like 2001 Space Odyssey when they're talking video conferencing. It's basically like FaceTime, but it's a standalone piece of hardware. And the whole, it's all uh, based around this idea of, but uh, it, you don't use your phone for it. You actually ha just have these devices floating around. I think the language they use is ambient computing, where it's oh, on Jesus. hand. Yeah, that's, I know. That's right? terrifying. I don't, I don't know about it's that It's all getting worse, right? I don't know if we should air this segment just so, out of a sense <laughs> of propriety. Don't tell anybody about yeah. that stuff. There, uh, the other we can't normalize thing. Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get political here. <laughs> the, uh, but the other major, the other thing was for people who already own an Amazon device or even just have the Alexa app on their phone is uh, if you update the app, it has a calling feature. So what it does is it, it sounds like it's more limited than it actually is. But what you can do is if you there's somebody else who has an Alexa app and is registered to it and is in your contacts, um, you can make a call to them through the Amazon Echo. So okay. Kevin, you have an Amazon Prime, mm -hmm. and I I never put your I've never actually put your information in like my contact list or anything like that. So we want to talk about spooky. I just said call Kevin, and it found you and it called you. Wait, it made so your phone ring. Let's let's do Wait, it. Wait, so I'm, I'm not like in your phone book on your phone. It, you are somewhere, but I didn't explicitly put you in there, which is Whoa. you know. Wait, Alexa put him in there. I think so. I think my email address <laughs> that's tied to my <laughs> Amazon account just pulled it from somewhere. Uh -huh. This well, is the have, world, I have, man. I have noticed that the iPhone, have you seen how it, like, how sometimes you get a phone number, but then also sometimes in your contacts, like, if I've gotten in, like, I have some people where, like, they've emailed me their address because I'm, you know, I'm sending them a birthday card or something. Right. And then in contacts, I put the phone number in, but down by address, it says, like, possibly, and it's, like, put their address into my Context. Oh, like yeah. autofill kind of yeah. thing. It's yeah, so man. sad that prank calling isn't a thing anymore. You know, like you just you can't <laughs> prank call. I'm going to sound like an ancient person, but yeah. I just—it's like prank calling used to be fun. I spent all time in middle school. Like you'd get like the cute boy's phone number, and then you'd all have a sleep sleepover, yeah. and you'd be like he 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 call and like giggle for five minutes. And you just face you know snap nudes, and <laughs> that's it. I think this skip is right like to that. the <laughs> smallest thing we've lost in the <laughs> <laughs> rest of jerky, like, the jerky boys exist yeah, today. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so let's actually. I want to try it. I want to. I want to like see this horror in action. Okay, so we're sitting. We're here in the studio. I've got the echo speaker over there, and I'm Kevin, putting. I'm putting my phone up to the microphone. So Wait. Kevin, your phone has at my request. You've installed the Alexa app on your phone. Yeah, at which is and at my request, I'm deleting it as soon as we're done. With right this. after this. <laughs> I mean, like I told you off air, you Amazon has it all. Don't don't even sweat it. <laughs> it's like it's all don't right. bother. They own you. Um, but the app is something that you would have if you had an Echo speaker. Um, right. But you can also use uh, Alexa if you have just an. Uh, yeah. The, this is another recent thing is that you can use uh, Alexa on your phone if you just have the Amazon app. So it's basically letting it be used elsewhere. Did so you say, did Alexa just say Alexa's hello Alexa's trying to butt into our conversation. <laughs> See, this is the danger of it is that it'll wake up otherwise. Like, I know you're talking Alexa's about like, me, Alex. <laughs> it's like, you will pay attention to me. You yeah. will pay attention to me. Excuse me, excuse me. I will me. not be ignored. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. Alexa, call Kevin Dupzik. Kevin Dupzik, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Of course, Kevin Dupzik. Oh, my God. I really, I really don't like this. A- answer it. Alexa's calling. <laughs> it's coming from inside the house. Okay, I just, I just put on speaker. So what does it say? Oh, there's so many streams of communication going on here. I feel like... So, okay, off speaker. What does it say for my... Does it say Alexander George on there? It says Alexander George's home. Ooh. Not as smart as she thinks. Yeah. Uh, you're not dumb, dumb echo. You don't even know where you are right can now. I, you're not sure you're at work. Can I just say that? Okay, so if you bought one of these, Alexa, Alexa. stop. Did it stop? Okay. Call call up. ended on my screen. Wow, it's crazy, I, right? I freaked out. Can I just say that? Okay, if you bought one of these with the screen and you put it in your house and you use it to call people, didn't you essentially just buy a fancier landline? That we all, you know, it's like we all got rid of landlines and now we're going to have basic, like what Alexa Home is, is basically a landline with a video screen. Yeah. Am I wrong? Skype. I mean, you don't got to pick stuff. it up, you know. Yeah. You can, if you can do everything by voice, I think that makes a big difference. But yeah. it doesn't also seem like it's kind of a, you know, it's like the pendulum swinging back a little bit. Like there was some convenience just having like an anchored thing in your house yes. you could use, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I, and the thing here is that if you ever have bad uh, it seems insane that your phone can do so much stuff, but voice calling still kind of sucks. Like, the voice quality mm-hmm. isn't as good as it should be. Yeah. And it's still kind of a pain, or it's, you know, uh, it doesn't come through as easily. So, the idea of, um, you know, using, wi- but this what does is basically uses Wi Fi instead of um, using cell phone towers and relaying, in, right. uh, in, you know, voice data that way. Same way Skype works, more or less. Um, and for some phones, you can go in and say, turn on Wi-Fi calling or something like that. It results in an effect more or less like a landline. Like you get a reliable uh, voice connection that right. way. Is there a, uh Echo speaker that can work on cellular networks? Like the way like the iPad, oh. you can get it with a, with a cellular antenna or just a Wi-Fi antenna? No, I... But I wouldn't. Be, you, I'm making. I'm thinking about. Uh, our um, Netgear makes these video cameras, you mm-hmm. know, like home monitoring cameras, uh, that require Wi-Fi. But they also make a model that you can put a SIM card into, because that's basically what it needs. Is it needs, you know, something to access oh, right. T-Mobile, Verizon, yeah. whatever. Uh, so they don't make a Echo that does that. The closest thing they have is uh, this company Huawei makes a phone that has Alexa in it, uh, in the same way that you have it on your phone. Um, you can turn it on that way. Uh, but for right now, there's no like you know, an echo that you can just bring with you uh, in the car or anything like that. Yeah. So other than your phone. I have a question. Mm-hmm. How long before we all have the uh, video wall from Fahrenheit 451 in our house? Ooh, is that a book? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I haven't read it. <laughs> no, it, I know what you mean. Um, <laughs> is, it, is it available to stream through my computer yeah. phone? Alexa, I, read me Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> Oh my god. You sound like a real dork when you say it that way. <laughs> 451. Alex has zero books in his library. <laughs> <laughs> that Philistine. <laughs> and now it's time for our favorite segment, uh, Cat Facts. Isn't it Rat Facts? Uh, it's Cat Facts. Sorry. Yeah. Lara? Number one. Uh, the longest distance that a cat has fallen and survived is 32 stories. Wow. What? <laughs> yeah. And that's 320 feet. That's crazy. That's, re- that's higher than the floor that we're on in this building right now. Was it injured? Right? Do we know? How many, how many, how deep do your cat bags go? Uh, it, it had a punctured lung, but it survived. Wow. It was discharged from the hospital shortly after that. And the reason why cats are so good at falling is because they have a, large surface area compared to their weight. So it makes, oh, them, so it makes them fall, fall slower. slower than other things. Oh, huh. nice. Cat fact number two. Uh, as of January 2017, feral cats inhabit 99.8% of Australia. What? <laughs> when there is not a lot of food. Australia's got a rough time. When there's not a lot of food, there are about 2.1 million cats. And when there's an abundance of things for them to eat, there can be up to 6.3 million cats, feral cats Roaming in Australia. Australia. But which, maybe the cats will eat all the poisonous snakes. Which, nice. if those cats were people, it would be the 18th largest state in the United <laughs> States. Oh, my God. So... A lot, larger, a lot larger than the uh, population of Rhode Island and all the other states. Well, here's hoping they eat the snakes. And cat that, And that has been Catfacts. For this week's testing table, we have our big office cyclist slash exercise dudes in here, uh, James Lynch and Matt Allen. Welcome, guys. Hey. Thank you. And we also have a bike, which I heard was difficult to get up the stairs. Uh, yeah, I had a little bit of a hard time, but that's more user error than bike error. Yeah. I think it's about as hard to move as any other bike. Yeah. It's just, you know, cumbersome. <laughs> so what's the deal with this bike, guys? Yeah, great. So this is a bike by the company Priority Bicycles, a uh, pretty recent startup. This is the Continuum, which is their, uh, when I got it, was their highest model. I think they have some other things coming out now. They're always putting out new bikes. Um, and so the idea of this bike, I talked with the founder, David Weiner, and it's to build a bike as easy to operate as can be. So just no fuss, no hassle. Uh, The guy was saying that he was, you know, people would always say, what bike should I buy? People who weren't really into bikes, and when he didn't have an answer, he decided to build it himself, which is pretty cool, a little startup story. Um, But yeah, it's pretty slick. I was pretty impressed with it. So, okay, easy to operate. This is is a commuter bike, right? Yeah. Okay, and what, what constitutes easy to operate? Like, what kinds of things? Yeah, it's got a couple really cool features um it's belt driven not chain driven oh that looks cool actually i can see that yeah and apparently it's the same belt that harley davidson uses on their belt driven motorcycles it's pretty thick yeah it's not insignificant at all it's got some big like teeth on it but they're all rubber it's not metal like i said it's supposed to last like three times as long as chains Uh, the nice thing is you can't throw it off and you don't have to oil it so you're not going to get your pant leg all messed up that is great i have definitely showed up places with on my pants or leg on or whatever which isn't uh, definitely annoying. And if you have to carry it upstairs, 
like I've I've gotten oil up, which I don't know if this happened to you if you're better. Oh, it's happened this. to me. This all over my sweater and the top of my pants. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just gets it's if you're trying to take care of your bike, it's amazing how much it hurts your clothing. So this won't happen. For cool. You. That's cool. Uh, and it's got a fairly large fender on the back wheel. I mean, that's like the biggest fender I've ever seen. Yeah, it's got some nice and the front that's, fender is this as well. Is called a fender on a bike? Yep. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. So to keep the the dirt and muck and stuff off you. They also. I think part of the reason it's so big is they sell a winter package for it. You can get, like, winter-studded tires on oh. it, and you can just haul over snow and ice, and the fenders will keep that from spraying up at you. Uh, I thought I was going to be doing that, and it turns out, you know, I'm from Rochester. I'm super soft, You're and it got weakling. cold, and I was like, you know what? I can just be underground the whole way to work and warm. That's and how I feel. I Matt Allen rides his bike in the winter, and <clears> I think yes. you're a crazy person. I that. think uh, riding the subway is, is no crazier. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'll take comfort above pretty much anything in the in the cold, in the heat. I'll I'll be out there riding in 100 degree weather, and people will be like, "What?" Well, well, if it's comfort you want, I've got a bike for you, Jackie. <laughs> uh, uh, no, some other cool things. It's got some great handlebars. It's slick. The really the coolest thing I've never played around with this. Um, it exists in bikes, cars, ATVs, and stuff, but it's a continuously variable transmission, Ooh. which in this guy is a new Vinci transmission hub. Uh, you can look up. Wait, what does that mean on a bike, a transmission? Um, so it's like you'd have gears on your bicycle. Okay. You, know, you flip through the gears. There no, there's not that, like, stepped uh, system on this bike. Mm-hmm. And so you have a, your handlebar, and it has, like, a twist shifter like a lot of bikes do. But, I mean, you can do it right now, which is pretty slick. Okay. Is that you can just, like, feel it. It just... Oh, it's, a, oh, it's like a motorcycle thing. Yeah, and it, there's no steps to it, so You any, can't even hear it. That's, sorry, guys, you can't hear this. But I am turning something. It even has a little... Instead of having numbers, it has a little guy on a little display... And it, it's a little hill that moves steeper or lesser, so you can see. Yeah, check that out, Jackie. Yeah, it's actually really cool. So if you twist it, you'll see a little orange line. And it's when it's flat, it's geared so you can oh, go fast. Oh, that is incredible. Yeah, and when that, it's. Wait, I'm like bringing the mic with me. This is so cool. It actually, like, when you turn it, this little, like, uh, hill thing flattens out. or And it looks like it's made of plastic or something. Like, I feel like a little kid would love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or That's us. Amazing. We would also love I also that. love yeah. that. Yeah. Pretty. <laughs> Pretty incredible. That, I, this is actually a problem that I have legitimately had. So uh, Matt Allen sent me gravel biking with a very serious cycling friend of his recently, and I'm like a super commuter where all I do is commute on my single speed. And I've done races, but I have no idea what I'm doing with gears. Like, I just don't. And I remember just being like, wh- so one is the big gear and one is the small gear and which direction does what? And just by the end of it, I got it. And I, probably if I did it every day, I'd get it. But I constantly just have no idea what I'm doing gear-wise. And I feel like something like that would just be so nice. Just yeah, be like, oh, yeah. hill is bigger? Great, let's go to the bigger hill is bigger hill. direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the other cool thing, too, which is, I think, a pretty frequently a problem for people who aren't used to cycling with gears or don't like it is, let's say you have to stop short or you just absentmindedly don't shift and you're at a stoplight and you realize, oh, I'm on my highest gear. And if I try to pedal right now, it's going to be really hard to move mm-hmm. forward. You could come to a stop on the highest gear and then just shift to your lowest gear. So you could, you, you could stop in the system where it's hardest to pedal and you're going fastest and then just reset it at a stop. You don't oh, have to like spin the wheel to get the to chain To get it move. going. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, that's like a recipe to like... You know, knock your, your chain And then you have the chain <laughs> hopping, and then you're like, yeah. boom, bread truck comes by, you're toast. <laughs> I almost fell. You know what's really funny? I almost fell into a bread, bread truck one time. Oh, I was almost. There's a lot of bread trucks. There's so many bread trucks. Really? Oh, yeah. Why well, is it bread trucks? Uh, especially our part of town, just across the East River. That's where they make all the bread. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I was right on the Brooklyn side of the Manhattan Bridge mm-hmm. and was literally almost killed by an English muffin truck, <laughs> oh. which is just not how I want to go. Imagine what they'd say at your funeral. 
Yeah, I mean, he's full of nooks and crannies. You know, <laughs> it's just and spread across the sidewalk spread like a like a piece of. Some I jam. actually bike by uh, New York's finest bagels every every night on the See, way home. See, that would be better though. I'd like, if I'm going out from a, a bagel truck in New yeah. York, that's oh, cause, well, yeah, it's you appropriate. Know, it's fitting. Yeah, English muffins is just embarrassing. It's just sad. <laughs> um, okay, so how much does this thing cost? This is. Nine hundred dollars. Well, eight ninety nine. Okay, that's actually not that bad. It's not that bad, I feel like and it has hydraulic brakes, which I didn't even mention. Hydraulic disc brakes, which my bike doesn't have. Right. Which is my bike, second bike. So. I did. I tried those on that uh, on that gravel bike, and I like those a lot. Actually, those were kind of great. Yeah, a yeah. huge. I've never had them before on a bike. Yeah, it's also really unusual to find hydraulic disc brakes, which are awesome, on a bike under a thousand dollars. Like they will stop in all conditions. Um, they don't rub as much as cable actuated, which are the cheaper version of disc brakes and bikes. Um, I want every bike I ever ride to have hydraulic, hydraulic disc brakes. Yeah. Um, so would you? So would either of you buy this bike? I would recommend this bike. That's what I'll say. I like going a little bit faster, like a little road bikey, kind of like that guy in the streets that you might. I like like riding in traffic and stuff. Uh huh. You're the annoying guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. That's me. And You're this pop bike from the real world. Do you even are you even old enough to know who that is? Uh, no, okay. no, of course not. <laughs> okay. But um, I would recommend it if my mom wanted a bike. If a friend who didn't bike much wanted a bike, I definitely recommend it. It's like. The simplest bicycle I think you could recommend to somebody. Okay. And it'll work well for what they want. Uh, I just want to go a little faster, and the top end speed's not that. But it's a commuter bike. It's exactly, it does exactly what it was supposed to do, so I'm pretty impressed by that. Okay. And Matt Allen? Yeah. If someone has, uh, like, a bit of around $1,000, this is uh, a definite, like, recommended buy. Um, it's sort of a... At an area where it's like it's a, it's a really good value is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, you can go. Uh, you can get a decent bike down to around six hundred dollars, a little cheaper if you go for a single speed. But if you want a bike that'll last a long time and is super hassle free and super duper easy to use, like this is your guy right here. Okay. And what's the name of this thing again? This is the Priority Continuum, and they have a whole line of bikes around the idea of being easy to use at different price points. But I think this is their mm-hmm. gem. This is their yeah. They've got some lower price bikes too. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, watch out for those bread trucks. So that's our show. The most useful podcast ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jesse Wright Mendoza. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics editor in chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about safety, check out our website, popularmechanics.com. Roy is always writing about smart ways to stay safe when doing work. While you're at our website, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.